podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash fmlfpl. Okay, welcome to another Fireside Chat. This is Alon. Today I'm joined by Praz, new co-host of the FBL Wire and the busiest man in FBL. Praz, how are you doing? I'm very well, very excited to be here. My first appearance on, you know, much like Late Riser, a favorite part of mine. Never miss you guys any of the week. So really, really pleased to be on. Dude, I appreciate it. And you're doing great work as always. What keeps a man like you busy in the international break? Are you taking... A little time away from FPL or are you still just pumping out the content? I mean, it's, you know, I, when people say they need a break away, for me, it's like a hobby. You know, it's like when you play a, a mobile game, like, you know, Clash of Clans or whatever people play, <laughs> right? You never need a break from that. I mean, I, I'm mm. always sort of thinking about the game. So yeah, I actually enjoy these breaks because the real pain for me is the weekend when your players blank and the other guys who you didn't buy <laughs> score points and actually this these breaks are nice where you think about stuff you know the meta where am i going what should i do i go up to, i've gone up to game week 19 in my transfer plan so this oh is what i've been doing <laughs> that is so far removed from like the core of fmlpl like walsh and i just are you kidding me game week 19 like i can just see walsh insane. if he listens to this smirking and uh basically saying what an idiot well, yeah, I mean, I told him what we're, I was like, yeah, I'm doing a thing with Praz on Monday. I was like, maybe not exactly your type of FPL manager, you know? And he was like, okay, you're doing it, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but this is why I love you guys. I mean, I, I, I actually encourage people to listen to different types of managers yeah. because there's obviously no right answer. And right. I wish I could do what you guys can do, which is watch the game and have a really good assessment of here's what I can do in the next three weeks because I like this guy. This is what is about to happen right. i have no clue i can't watch every game <laughs> i can't sort of have a view on no clue between madison saka or bruno who scores more points right. i'm just gonna pick keep picking the guy with better fixtures and hopefully that little bit of edge with an easier fixture works out right and and that's ultimately i think what's great about fpl is that there's like you said no right answer a million different point of views that are all valid you know and there's another million that i feel like are invalid and then those people do better than me anyway so it's like i mean you know there, there's just so many different ways to approach everything um i think the the fixtures thing you mentioned is definitely something i see a lot especially more nowadays and i guess last season too but just seems like all of the big sort of content creators are sort of on a similar page and i don't know if that has something to do with maybe you know, um, the review and so and like the algorithmic approach. Yep. But I see everyone kind of saying like, okay, so-and-so team has a good next four fixtures, so I'm bringing in this guy. And then, you know, everyone on FPL, on FPL Twitter is like, oh, what about like, you know, Salah? And then all the content creators are like, I'm waiting for game week nine for Salah because they have this run and this team has that run, so I'll switch. And the planning, like this is all just like, so out of my comfort zone, right? <laughs> I mean, like old school FFS, which I know you're still a part of. It's like that. It was always like next four, next six. Like yeah. that. That's the maximum amount of planning where we're like, okay, yeah, and then reevaluate because things change. But 
that is definitely the approach that you you go for. And have you found that to be a successful approach? Just relying so hard on like a fixture planner and 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 a run of fixtures. Yeah. I, look, I think I have done it since the FF Scout days. So yeah. while and and this is again why late Reza, late riser and I sort of knew each other on Scout, where he used to be the guy calling, "I'm going to captain Vardy in three weeks." And I'm like, "Why would you have Vardy?" And the guy scores a hat trick. And yeah. so I'd always look at him and go, "How is he playing it? What am I missing?" But I have sort of stuck to the core of what I believe in. There's a really geeky way to answer this. I mean, effectively, we're all sort of tossing a coin. You have 11 coins and we're all tossing it every week. And there is no way to affect it other than planning for me having the best odds of my coin versus your coin. So if you have sort of said, I'm going to go for Salah and Salah has, you know, let's say he's playing Villa and he has other difficult fixtures. And I'm going to say, look, I'm going to try and beat it because even though Salah is a better player, maybe Bruno will do well. Obviously, that doesn't work every time, but I'm just trying to influence that little bit where I can influence, make a little bit of change. But that's just the way I have always played and it always Mm. plays into it more the season goes on because the more the season goes on, you have underlying data, you can say a little bit with more conviction if you really think Madison with better fixtures is indeed better than Bruno with bad fixtures and vice versa. So... It's just my style and I sort of have always backed myself with that. Right. And that's kind of what I was going to ask is how do you, how are you sort of weighting that in your head of like, okay, you know, Luton all of a sudden have an incredible run and a double in gaming seven, but I'm pretty sure you're not bringing in triple Luton, right? So like there is obviously some weighting and some evaluation of how teams are playing, who's in form, who are the good assets, stats, yada, yada. What, What do you like to look at? Um, well, basically all of that. Uh, it's yeah. it's effectively opportunity cost as well, right? I mean, if I'm bringing a player, who am I losing? And this year, I think it will be a big topic where yeah. people will lose Madison for Foden and, and hey, Madison gets a 10-pointer. You, people will sell Foden this week for Sun. Maybe Foden gets a 10-pointer. You just have to live with that. But when if I'm losing a good player for a pretty mediocre player who has two mediocre games, then in my head, everything comes down to what is my expectation of what happens. Well, I expect Luton to lose both those games because those (laughs) games are actually easy for Everton and Burnley, not for Luton. But if, you know, I have Jackson in that spot or if somebody has Pedro in that spot and that's, you know, they're performing in a shitty manner anyway, then it's fine to go for a Morris because the guy's on penalties. You know what? Two games, out of 38, if he gets a penalty, fine, you're okay. So I'm not going to captain him, but I do think there is space for him. Now let's come to midfield. There's no bloody way I'm going to get a midfielder from Luton or Burnley because the opportunity cost of selling any one of the guys that we have is too, too high. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that goes hand in hand with the fixtures as well. Like even just, I mean, I want to move on to Newcastle because I think they're forefront of the conversation sort of right now with their swing starting sort of this week, more next week. But when you look and you compare, right, like Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, like less good runs, but how much worse are the runs and how much better are the teams and the players? That's where it starts to become tricky for me. And I was looking at Newcastle sort of going, preparing for this pod because I know a lot of people are going to get trips and I don't know who else people are getting from that team. But, you know, they're, I look at the run and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty good, but like, how good is this team? Really hard to evaluate, I think, based off of last season, based off of how hard their last three fixtures were, that they lost all three in a row. And then, like, 
how much do I expect them to keep cleans? They haven't kept cleans in a really long time. And uh, I don't know what to do with Newcastle. I mean, Newcastle is actually a really good example in terms of separating the managers who back long-term underlying data, basically the geeks, versus people who are (laughs) watching and creating an opinion based on things that are changing in the future, they expect to change in the future. So two schools of thoughts. One is Newcastle have just played Brighton, Villa, Liverpool and Man City. That's as hard as it gets. But... In terms of big chances conceded, they're number two, only after Man City. So even though they played those four hard teams, they only conceded two big big chances. So you could say as the fixtures improve, you know, the clean sheets will come back. Somebody right. else will say, look, we're in uncharted territory. Newcastle have never played in the Champions League. It's a bloody tough draw. They're playing Man City in the Carabao Cup. This is going to be rotation central. I would sort of sit somewhere in the middle where I would say, look, right. if... I do believe in Newcastle defense. I think everybody should have Botman, you know, if they're on a wild card, because long term, I think he's the best 4.4, 4.5 million defender. You'll need him at various points. And I think Newcastle defense is good for that. But maybe I'm also now considering, do I need Trippier? Because getting Trippier, I will sacrifice someone else. Maybe I can't get to a son. Maybe I can't right. get to a Jesus if I wanted to. So for me, it, it's I, I sit somewhere in the middle and that's always... I. I'm not rigid in my thought that I think Newcastle defense is great, even though they've kept two clean sheets in 22 games. I am a little bit more balanced with that. Yeah. And I I was looking a little deeper into their numbers too, because I think, well, everything's messed up, right? It's four games. Like you can, you can basically create any narrative you want. Right. But one interesting number that I was looking at is just, I just looked at the minutes where they've been level or winning so far this season. And that's 236 out of their 360 minutes so far. So a lot, more than yeah. half. And they're 11th in non-penalty conceded per 90 in those minutes. Right? Right. And so the, the reason I thought to even look at that is because I was thinking, okay, what happened in that City game? Did they really like shut City down? Or did City take the lead and just dominate the ball? Newcastle just couldn't do anything. And yeah, that's what happened, right? And yeah. Yeah. And you think of the other games they played were a little bit, weird it was like okay brighton ferguson had a massive chance went up one nil brighton kind of shut newcastle down a little bit scored too late and you know and that's kind of what happened so i don't know i mean you can construct anything you want i'm worried about the european games too though i'm worried about rotation there's there's so many unknowns i think more than usual because of the change up of what teams actually qualify for the champions league and europa league right and we don't know how Eddie Howe is going to rotate. We don't really know how Arteta is even going to rotate. I mean, we we expect Liverpool to play backup 11 in Europa. We don't know what Brighton's going to do. We don't know yeah. what Villa is going to do. So I just feel like right now there's just like more unknowns than usual, except for maybe the midfielders that you mentioned that like everyone kind of has a different five, but they're all from a group crazy. of 10, right? It's like, there's like 10 midfielders that everyone wants and you just have five of them. Yeah. I think with Newcastle, I mean, coming back to that, you know, you mentioned all these other teams, none of them are ideal over the next four or five. And I'm going to yeah. throw out fixtures a lot because again, going back to our conversation in yeah, the beginning, yeah. um, look, Arsenal play Spurs and Man City in the next four. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, going for a Saliba or a Gabriel, not ideal. Uh, Man United are decent, but they don't have a defense. They don't have a fit defender you can go yeah. for, and the defense is poor. Uh, you know, Man City is Man City, but they have West Ham away and Arsenal in the next four as well. So you could you could punt on them, or punt maybe is not the right word, but Man City is fine. Yeah. Um, you know, you've looked at Brighton. Brighton, a very tough run. Also, the Champions League, apart from Bournemouth at home in game week six, they have no other fixture where I can say... I can bank on Estupinian getting a 15 point. I mean, <laughs> I can't bank on them getting a clean in any game. They're they're not exactly. even in the conversation. Yeah, exactly. So that's where a little bit of an edge comes where you can say, even if you're going for a share, you can yeah. say, look, maybe I get some clean sheets where nobody's getting clean sheets. Yeah. And if they don't, then what am I losing out? So I'm maybe losing out on one transfer that I've spent, but the upside with actually getting three cleans out of four where nobody else has good fixtures. I think that's great. The alternative is, okay, say you get share, right? Say I go from, you know, I'm just looking at my team, Colwell to share or something like that, or I buyer to share, right? I find 0.5 and, and do that, right? Is that worth it when I could maybe be getting Sun instead? I could be maybe getting a, an attacker with hat trick potential instead who also has, you know, two out of four or three out of four good fixtures? Like, I don't know what share going to get you, you know, a couple for a couple six pointers, best case, you know, and so that that's where I struggle. If you're spending your transfer there, then I think there's no debate. But when you're going to spend your transfer in midfield, you're not guaranteed to get that hat trick. Yeah. You could actually sell the guy who gets the hat trick. Right. Right. So, I mean, for me in midfield, actually, I was talking to LR again in terms of how you could play this season. You could have two approaches. You and obviously people can be in the middle, but one could be, you're saying, I'm not going to touch my defense. I'm not going to touch my attack because I've got Haaland and let's say put a glue guy there like Watkins or, you know, yeah. let's play Jesus right, and right. say, I'm, I'm not going to touch these guys. In the five midfielders, I'm going to hop around whoever plays bloody Luton or Sheffield United, yeah. or, you know, go to Saka, go to Bruno, go to Rashford, go to Madison, Sun, and right. just that's where you get your upside. Or you could say, I think between these eight midfielders, all of them are going to have a 220-point season. I'm just captaining Haaland pretty much every week. Maybe, you know, there will be exceptional weeks like this one maybe where Sun is an option. Yeah, this one. Yeah. Um, but you could have that option as well where I go, I'm going to have Bruno in my team for the next five weeks. He's going to get one penalty, probably a couple of other returns. He's not going to be that far off a Sun or a, or a Saka. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. So hard. It's so hard to... And it's so hard and it feels almost painful to me to, like, I got rid of Saka. I made my move early because I had exact money for Sun. I don't really feel great about it, but I did it, you know, before even the Arsenal Man United game because I needed to. And now I'm like staring at my team, right? And I don't have Saka for at Everton. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, like, Arsenal's going to score five. You know, Everton play this like open attacking style and it's just like perfect for Arsenal. But, you know, who knows? You know, maybe. Maybe they're up 2-0 and Saka comes off because they have Champions League two days later, three days later, right? So that's another wrinkle of stuff we just don't really know yet. Um, so, yeah. It's I mean, narratives, new, right? Now, new, people have sold uh, Rashford for yeah. uh, for Sun. Uh, I think Baker has done that. And and again, the next two games for Rashford are amazing. Unless he's I'd obviously rather played have Rashford right. than in, most midfielders in the game. When I see home... Brighton away Burnley. I don't know if there's a mid midfielder I want more than Rashford for the next two, honestly. 
And there's there's a mid there's no midfielder you want more than Madison and Son this week at home to Sheffield United. So right. the narrative is the form is just so real, and I think everyone is going through this. Yeah, I mean, I could see a world where Son returns, Rashford braces, and next week I'm doing Son to Rashford, <laughs> and I just brought him in, and I, he's playing striker out of position. And I feel incredible about owning Son, and I might just do that, even though I think you know there's goals at Arsenal, there's goals home Liverpool. I mean, it just might happen. So I I don't know. We're we're gonna. It's constantly adapting which style you want to go for. And I do think that there's something that holds true, which is you kind of have to, you don't have to choose a style. That's not the right word, but it would be beneficial for your sanity to choose one or the other style because you're not going to get the hat trick right every time, right? Like you said, you might transfer out the 10 pointer this week. But if you keep going for it and keep picking the Burnley fixture and the Luton fixture, you're more likely to hit hat tricks over, you know, the greater the quantity that you're more likely to hit it. So you can't just do it this week and then not do it for the next six game weeks and then do it again in game week 12 and be like, oh, I suck. It never works when I do it. You kind of have to keep doing it, right? You kind of have to keep throwing that dart and being like, no, if I just keep banging on Luton, they suck, they suck, they suck, they suck. <laughs> Eventually, I'm going to hit a five, right? So that that's what you got to do. Yeah, and, and finding blocks where you can yeah. do that makes it even easier. So you're not yeah. sort of, you know, like a headless chicken moving through the, the changes. So right. if you do it in blocks, you know, like, you know, targeting a Diaby, when Diaby plays home Luton, home Nottingham Forest, away yeah. Fulham in, I think, 10, 11, 12, hit yeah. it. Sell your yeah. Mbumos. Don't have FOMO because you have 0.1 tied up in Mbumo. you got to have like ruthlessness this season. It feels like, I mean, we may be wrong yeah. sitting here in four weeks, but you got to be ruthless where pick the, pick the fixture, forget about team value or any value locked in in any player. Yeah, I mean, we like this is constantly through the FPL season. I think we're all making sort of like declarations and none of them are 100% right, right? Like you just mentioned, yeah, Villa, I go, Home West Ham, home Luton, at Nottingham Forest, home Fulham, in 9 through 12. Well, Bumo's home Burnley, at Chelsea, home West Ham, at Liverpool. And he could just outscore him, right? And then we're sitting here being like, oh, idiot, never should have got rid of Bumo, best pick in the game. But, you know, yeah, like I said, you got you to gotta just decide to go for that stuff or not, I think. Um, what about hits? Where, do, where does a manager like you stand on hits? I mean, I think a, a point that Walsh made recently that I liked is just, you know, we, we've all been playing the game, you know, 10 plus years at this point, hits were always lava, right? Never take a hit like once in a while, maybe for a double game week or something, you take a hit or something like that. But we score more points every year, the total, right? The FL winner every season scores a hundred more points than the last (laughs) one or something crazy like that. And Holland makes the game even crazier and chips makes the game even higher scoring, right? we still treat hits the same way. And right. that just doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit right with Walsh, but I, I haven't really spent time or done any math on like, well, what should it be? I don't really know. What do you think about hits? I mean, I at least fundamentally, I sit on the other side of the spectrum where I'm, I'm still sort of anti-hits, but it's not, a, it's not just a, you know, this is what I do. Firstly, on the points getting larger, I just think we've been through COVID and, and the, you know, the Queen stuff last season where we've yeah. had more double game weeks than ever. So I think there's True. a little bit of a synthetic 
points are getting more. I think people are doing better as well. They're picking better players because of underlying data coming into our lives and us understanding yeah. the difference between a Jackson and a Richarlison. Both right. were playing up front for teams that were doing all right. But you understand, or you know, we now understand better that maybe let's be patient a couple of more weeks on Jackson because big chances are coming. Let's right. throw this Richarlison guy out because X minutes are low and his numbers <laughs> are really bad. So yes, I think managers are getting better. So... While points are getting more, I also think there's a lot more engaged managers. A four-point hit is a lot because you're losing four points to engaged manager field. Where it used to be 10 years ago, it was maybe 30,000 of us or 50,000 of us to take a hit and you can maybe recover it because, you know, your competition is lower. You are now playing against, I would say, 300 to 500,000 really, really super engaged. I mean, Andy, let's talk FPL on, on Twitter has 300,000 followers. That just tells you so that there's... the minimum number, right? Exactly. Not everyone follows him on Twitter. So these this is what we're up against. And I just feel, look at last season, by the end of it, people were still bunched up even in the top 100K. There were people who moved from 15K to 30K last year. I myself was like 64K and I finished 37K just because I punted on Jesus and Kane cap or vice versa. I think Jesus cap and Kane hit those two transfers, jumped like 30K on the last game week. Yeah. So I feel... I, I'm the same, by the way. I, I did yeah. Kane cap game week 38. I went from, I don't know, 50K to 20K or something like exactly. that. Exactly. So yeah. the days where it was not bunched up by game week 38 and we're all done and dusted. Hits don't matter because we're all so separated. I don't think that that is true anymore because there will be still a lot of people within your... Now, this doesn't mean completely that hits are a no-no. I think for people like Walsh who want to enjoy the game, everybody plays the game different. Not everyone is playing for overall rank. If you want to enjoy the game, honestly, this season, hits are going to be so fun because you can get Foden at home to Fulham. You can get, you know, Sun at home to Sheffield United and Madison, yeah. if you want, you can just jump around and have fun. Yeah, and and especially like you mentioned, the Holland weeks where he's not an automatic captain, which Walsh and I are this week at West Ham. Not for us, you know, an automatic captain. Like I'm, I'm definitely not capping him. Capping him this right. week. I would captain Mo and Son ahead of him just in my team alone, and I, I think there's other shouts too. Um, and that you know that that makes it even more upsidey and and fun because you know he's still going to be 95 percent captained in like the elite teams and stuff so that's kind of interesting um what what do you think about sun and Matto? and you know they have home chef you this week and then at arsenal home liverpool before at luton home fulham so mixed bag like what are you bringing them in or what are you doing with whispers so i will have one well i'd never say 100 percent, but my plan to have both of them by luton whether okay. I get uh, whether I get one of them this week or not, my problem is between, if I look at the next three game weeks, right? Yes, there is Sheffield United, but then there's Arsenal away and Liverpool at home. Now, again, you guys with the eye test, with you know, with the, the way you see the game, you'll say Liverpool, huh? I mean, it's fine. I mean, Sun if he plays up top, there's goals there. Arsenal, yeah. North London derby, always been goals. Always but goals. again, me with the fixtures guy goes okay. You know, it is a harder fixture. Maybe there's goals. Maybe it's a nil-nil. Maybe it's a one. Maybe they lose. So I'm thinking, okay, I compare Sun now with a Rashford who has, you know, Brighton at home this week, Crystal Palace at home in three weeks and yeah. Burnley away. Right. Maybe he can do well as well. So I'm right, hesitating right, right. selling my Man United guys. Same for, for Arsenal. You talked about Everton away um, and there's another Bournemouth away in the next three. 
I might do Saka to to uh, Sun as well for the reasons that you mentioned that you know have to have Sun, especially if I think about captaining him. I might yeah. do it, but a part of me says just wait for three weeks. Sell Sterling, sell Saka. Saka will play Man City. Sterling will be over his really good run. And if he disappoints, he'll be dumped anyway. And so I that's my plan. I would get Sun and Madison for those two guys in game week eight. But will I miss the boat with the with the Sheffield United game? Maybe. This is what my dilemma is. Yeah, maybe. And you know, I I had Mo I've had Mo since game week one. I capped him in game week two. That was my big, oh my God, I'm gonna cap him in game week two and he got five points. And it's like, all right, well, it was better than every other cap, but it was you know, I barely went up because of that. Um so that's you know, that's in I mean, my that's head the other a thing bit. with my with my play style, I, I, I hesitate to take risk and it's, I yeah. fall into the category of, you know, the people who you said who do it sometimes and then they shy yeah. away and they don't, yeah. I just, I struggle. I mean, I, after me a too. lot of, I, by the way, me too. Yeah. I'm, I'm like that too. And I, and I think of the times where, you know, last, last season, game week nine, I was literally shaking captaining Salah <laughs> home to Brighton and it, you know it was Haaland against my own team Man United so I said yeah. no, this aligns with how I want to watch the game I don't want Haaland yeah. to do anything I think Salah is a better captain anyway captain Salah get five points and Haaland gets five returns three you know obviously the hat trick plus the two <laughs> that assists. was the six three right I was literally on the floor next to the sofa <laughs> and I could not watch and I was listening to the commentary every time the ball would go into the box Haaland goal Haaland goal and it's just oh an experience where if I'm watching the game, I just cannot do that. And this this is where I struggle. Yeah, I think watching the matches is actively bad sometimes. I think that like, I don't know, people associate something like eye test with just an objectively good thing, right? We're all, you know, evaluating objectively, just trying to make the best picks, make the best judgment calls. Like, it's just as biased as, as the stat story you want to tell yourself. You know, it, it doesn't matter how good or bad a scout you are. You know, you can you can make things up and you're at, no, but he was, yeah, he didn't get a shot, but he was almost on the end of three different things. You know, whatever you want to tell yourself, it's there. And yeah, I mean, watching the games can be really painful, especially when you when you when you have a haul go against you like that. But um, yeah, I, I've always been on the fence. I think back in the day, maybe around when Walsh and I started potting and, and the seasons before that, I was much more like mad scientist style. Like I just had crazy picks, I had crazy transfers, and I did well. I did pretty consistently well. And I think since potting, I've been much more on like a, like one one shoulder being like, this is what I should do. And the other <laughs> shoulder being like, but this is what I really fucking want to do. And I, I don't know when to choose which. And it sometimes <laughs> depends on how good or bad my last game week went, which is not a great way you to You think be. you have points in the bank so you can go gamble them a little bit more. Or you're depressed because you just had a nightmare <laughs> and you're just like, well, I need to rip my team apart right now, even though the picks are good. I mean, last year, I think I wild carded right after Man United beat Liverpool. In like game week four, my team was 100% good. Like I had the exact same team as everyone else. And I was like, my team's good. And I just ripped it to shreds. It's just like, ah, oh, Liverpool sucked this year. Like, you know, I'm a Liverpool supporter. So um, speaking of wildcard, what's what's in your game week 19 plans? Like you, you clearly have your whole season planned out. So when are you wildcarding and who are you getting? Well, look, I mean, I think um, I, I did this video on The Wire like on Friday. Um, yeah. And it's it's basically what what I like to do is 
I just like to make a wildcard draft at various points of the season. Like if I was to wildcard mm. today, what would it look like? If I was to wildcard in game week eight, what would I build? Obviously, based on information that I have now, this will change when I sit in game week eight. But it helps me basically do two things. Number one, determine how far am I from that wildcard. So if I make a game week eight wildcard, for example, I'll have more. I'll have Watkins. I'll have um, probably DRB, a, a Newcastle. So I'm thinking... Yeah maybe I can't get to that if that's my ideal setup. So that immediately tells me by game week eight, I should start thinking about a wildcard. Right. Then I need to compare that with how will my own team look in game week eight. So when I look at my own team in game week eight and game week nine, using the transfers that I've talked about, where I'll get Sun, I'll get Madison, you know, I will probably get Awinivi against Luton in game week nine. Then I think actually game week 10, that's the time when I need to wildcard because Brighton's fixtures get really good. Liverpool's fixtures are still good. Villa get into this fixture run that you talked about at the uh, earlier yeah. in this pod. And so this is how I think about it. Does it mean I'll definitely wildcard in game week 10? Absolutely not. If my team is doing really well, if I still have Bruno and Rashford and they've scored 15 goals in the next five games, then I'm happy to hold them. But right. at the moment, based on the information I know, Manchester United are wobbling. They keep losing anyone who plays on the right for them. You know, they don't have a defender. So um, I am skeptical holding Bruno and Rashford for the next five game weeks. I think I will at some point need to get Spurs players. Obviously, I have free transfers to do that. But I have triple Chelsea. What if they score nothing against Bournemouth? You know, my team looks really, really terrible. So I guess long answer to your question. Yes, I have planned out transfers, but we are getting information. We will get 20% more information next game week and so on and so forth. And I can wildcard as early as game week six, game week seven, yeah. but more likely I'm going to hold out and be patient until game week 10. Yeah, I think that's, I've never actually done that, but I think that that sounds like a really productive exercise. I mean, I've been trying last couple seasons to like mess with different ways of planning, different ways of consolidating all the, you know, information I'm gathering throughout the, you know, not just the matches, the stuff I see on Twitter, stuff I hear on other pods, whatever it is. And, and lately for me, it's been not making wildcard teams, but, you know, it's just sort of writing down, you know, stupid stuff like, oh my God, I need Matto. <laughs> like, oh my God, Raz. You know, like that's, that's the type of stuff I write down. But that's enough for me to just be able to, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm going to make my transfer. I kind of flip a few pages back. I'm like, wow, it's funny. I thought like I needed Eze, you know, two weeks ago, I thought I needed Eze by game week four. And now I'm like, eh. You know, he's okay. He's good. But like, you know, things have changed. And now I prefer this guy, you know, and it's interesting. I, in that book that, that I made, it's like a little, a little plan or notebook. I think I wrote, um, it's like an Eisenhower quote or something. He's like planning plans are worthless, but planning is everything. Absolutely. I think, oh, I'm going to take that. This is it's, great. It's, I mean, this is exactly such it. a good quote. I, you know, I just think. For me to make a transfer, I think this thought process people have is I want player X, I'm going to get player right. X, which is fine. Right. I, I envy those people. For me, it's I want player X. Who will I sell to get player X? Then if I sell this player, I will have X money in the bank. Can I afford Y player that I want <laughs> next week? And then Z player who I want the week after. I'm it's, So I am my worst enemy where this is the thing. I want Trippier this week. If I go Trippier, I can't get Sun in game week seven. And I'm in my mind the whole time. Who do I want Trippier now or do I want Sun in game week you seven? You must be fun on a date. I, exactly. I can't imagine so like trying to... I open with that. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trying to pick a, you know, what should we get for an entree? Should we split? And you're like, but if we split, I can't get this the garlic bread I really want. Um, <laughs> let's talk about your team a little bit. So you're on Rashford Bruno. I'm on Bruno. Desperately wishing I had Rashford. Anthony's in a whole lot of mess. So yeah. we don't know who's going to play on the right. Um, I feel like I don't know who the midfield is. I'm not sure who's going to play fullback. I assume Hoyland's going to just start starting because he, I thought he looked really good against Arsenal. Um, yeah, what what do you think? You mentioned the wobble, but I, I, this is another thing that I always struggle with and always have struggled with is, is trying to separate how well a team is playing from how good are their FPL assets because sometimes it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Like you can have a sixth place team and just have a great pick that you should hold all season. Right. I mean, Kane last year. Right. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Right. And so I sort of am leaning towards, yeah, well, Bruno Rashford are just going to get their points, whether Manchester United finish eighth or fifth. But how do you feel about them right now? Yeah, I, I'm I'm similar. I mean, I think we have to look at the picks in isolation. And it just yeah. happens to be that the two best picks are both midfielders where there is the highest pressure to move them yeah. on. But I think as FPL picks, they're both great FPL picks. I think, yes, we lose Anthony. And I think that hurts us more in defense than in attack yeah. because Anthony actually was working very hard. That's why Ten Hag liked him. And he could do what... You know, these days the traditional wingers are supposed to do hold the ball, not lose possession. You know, the Grealish right. types now. He's not as good as Grealish, but he was doing the stuff that Tenag wanted him to. So you could see Man United obviously change either fundamentally, and fundamentally, I mean, like, you know, Bruno could move to the right, or you could have Rashford move to the right and Garnacho plays on the left. Right. I am a little bit less. Uh, convinced that we are going to make fundamental changes. I mean, it could be that Pelestri, he's a he's a youngster who could come in and plays right. He's actually fairly decent. Um, you could have Mount play there. Um, because, yeah. you know, once now that we've signed Amrabat, you could have Casemiro and Amrabat playing there, Mount playing as, as the 10, and Bruno moves to the right, or Mount moves to the right. So as a team, I don't think it, it, it spoils the attack too much because the big positive, as you mentioned, is Hoyland is back. And yeah. in the very short cameo, obviously we can be deceived because Jackson looked great in preseason. Uh, you, know, we, you know, people can struggle. When they start in the Premier League, you know, when he's when he gets a, a cameo where Gabriel is injured and Man United is chasing the game and he does well, you know, it could be that we those 15 minutes are not representative yeah. of his start. But on paper, I think it should be great. There's a target man who can hold the ball. Rashford can make the run behind, who loves to do that. So it makes Rashford a good pick. Bruno's just dropped three assists and a goal tonight because he'd had Ramos as the striker who could head well, a ball. They played against Luxembourg, though. So. Fair enough, fair enough. But you know what I mean? Like, if yeah, you yeah, have yeah. a target man, Bruno becomes yeah, a yeah. decent pick as well. And he's on penalties. You know, Bumo's got two penalties. Rashford has two. Arsenal have two. Man United still have one. So right. I think each of them are good enough picks. But I can also understand if people think like, I don't want two Man United assets and I'm going to gamble on selling one. You could be wrong. You could sell Bruno right. and Ra you know Bruno Halls and Ra you know you could keep yeah. Rashford and he doesn't yeah. do well. But oh, this is why I think it's okay to hold them because their next five are actually really really good. Yeah, and the you know the thing that I will say in defense of Nico Jackson, right, is he looks great in preseason. Obviously, he's been missing sitters, but two things: he's getting sitters, and the other thing is every other part of his game has been as good as advertised. Right, they just don't have another goal scorer, right? You can imagine a world where Nkuku's there and Nico has three assists. 
Because yep. like his passing is so good, his runs are so good, the cutbacks are good. All that stuff that was advertised has actually been as good as advertised. There's just no one there, right? Yep. And so when I think about Hoyland, it's like, sure, he could miss sitters, right? He could. He has like nine goals or something as a professional. I don't even know, but the other stuff looked really good in the 15 minutes, and that's as Rashford and Bruno owners, that's what we care about more, right? Yeah, I I'm fearful for not owning Rashford, like I said, but as you said, and I think is correct, I mean, Bruno could get more touches in the box because, you know, Anthony's out and another defensive midfielder's in to do the running and he, you know, he gets all the points. So who knows there? But yeah, we're aligned with that. Um, I mean, Man United defensive people have Onana. That's a, for me, a bigger red flag. I mean, not that you're going to make an Onana yeah. transfer now, but we are struggling. I mean, we're struggling. Maybe Amrabat comes and helps, but I think the defense is more an emergency problem than than uh, than a midfielder because I think you can be patient with with both of them. And I, people will panic even more if Brighton, you know, if we draw one all against Brighton, I can see another price drop coming for both. But actually, the next four after that are the ones that I want them for. So the next four after Brighton. At Burnley, home Palace, home Brentford, at Sheffield United. It's pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Yeah, I just don't trust this team for cleans. And this is, you know, there, there's all kinds of areas and parts of the games where people are separated by what they believe. And like, if you paid attention to last season's defensive numbers, I mean, Manchester United had worse non-penalty conceded than Tottenham and yep. level with Liverpool. But the way that people talked about Onana and Shaw's picks pregame and quantum was like, this is the best defense in the league. They kept the most cleans. And it's like, well, you're kind of cutting, you know, cutting the pie the way you wanted for your narrative. But yeah, I think we're seeing that, you know, the cleans are, are far from guaranteed with this team. So I'm with you there. Um, one thing that I wanted to also bring up and just see what you, I mean, this is just a vibes podcast. It just, <laughs> what's up, prize? Let's see what talk about whatever and see what's going on. But so like I'm with you on Nico Jackson. I'm a Sterling honor myself. I think, you know, it's been positive enough to hold. They're getting the chances. The goals will come. Yada yada yada. And I think this also aligns a bit with what we were talking about with Newcastle earlier, just something I thought of during this break. The one thing that no one is talking about is that the points are not on the board. Like the team's performances are one thing, but they're not actually getting the points, right? Newcastle's sitting on three points in four games. Chelsea's sitting on four points in four games. And Chelsea had a good run of fixtures. Yep. So the managers might change stuff. Like, I don't know, you know, different managers handle situations differently. You know, if this is Pep, they're just, just going to keep pepping and things will just work <laughs> out and City will just start winning every game, right? What's Eddie Howe going to do? I don't know. You know, what? Yeah. what's Poch going to do? He's going to be under pressure. They got booed off the pitch. You know, like, what? what's going to happen? I, I have absolutely no idea. You know, so that is, I think, a little seed of doubt that I do have that I feel like no one's talking about with Newcastle and Chelsea specifically. I'm totally with you. I think, um, and that's... At- on the other flip side of the coin, there's the vibes with with Spurs, where you know that they're right. buzzing, you know the crowd yeah. are behind them, easy fixture. They will even yeah. at four nil try to score two more. Uh, totally with you. But again, go, coming back to what we have learned, so let's take Chelsea for example. You know, yeah. you hope that Poch 
obviously is, you know, also follows the mantra that if Jackson is getting the chances or if he's sort yeah. of being pivotal to the play, then it's not Jackson who he shifts around. It's maybe, you know, maybe I'm being an idiot and playing Chilwell left wing. Maybe I should play yeah. an actual midfielder who can <laughs> actually play in midfield. Yeah. So stuff like that absolutely can change. Maybe Gusto is, you know, an experiment where he will say, look, I just need James back ASAP. Um, if he was winning, he would say, oh, I'm going to give James a few more games and, you know, right. ease him in. Now maybe he's desperate to start him. They've had an issue with Lavia. Maybe Casado and, and Enzo. Enzo would have played further up top. Maybe they can't afford it because they want to be more solid defensively. We're obviously speculating, but it absolutely plays in their mind. What happens when they're 1-0 ahead and it's the 70th minute? If it's a Spurs, they go for 3-0. Yep. If it's a Chelsea, they're thinking man, we need these three points. So is the transfer sterling out for another defender? Maybe because of Chelsea's points. So it always, always matters. You're right. Right. Yeah. So that that's something if I was, you know, I, I already made my move. I'm probably not taking a hit. But if someone had the money for like a sterling to a son or something like that, or sterling even a Rashford, right? That would be playing in my mind a lot, right? Where it's it's not just the players and the fixtures. It's also, I don't know what to expect from Chelsea. And I don't know if Sterling is going to continue being in the positions that he's in or if the best way to play is actually Sterling should be playing Chilwell's spot because we need to find a way to get, you know, Broya in the game or Matueke or something. And they need yeah. to play on the right and... You know, it just messes everything up, and all of a sudden, he's a terrible pick. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm so with you. I'm yeah. with you. I mean, on the other side of the coin, uh, or well, we already went to the other side with Spurs. Well, on the same so side, sides, but a different so part of the, of the coin. <laughs> if you look at Newcastle, I think the manager has less to prove. So even though the results mm. haven't been there, he's had a brilliant tough season, fixtures. Uh, and they've had tough fixtures. Where I think it's a different kind of unknown. Where now we've never seen Eddie Howe play around Europe. We do right. just don't know what he does. Does, and they're actually an odd team where the setup is pretty. You know, we know how they set up the four three three. We know that in a particular game, Isak can play, and in another one, Wilson can play, and it's seamless. It should not change fundamentally. Obviously, opponent dependent. Isak is more energetic. Wilson is more closer to the goal. Then on the left, you can you can have Gordon, and you can replace him with Harvey Barnes. Pretty much not changing a lot fundamentally. Right. Almiron yeah. for Jacob Murphy, similar. So I feel that team, I fear rotation more than fundamental changes. You know, they're not going to go to five at the back just because they've had bad results or they're not going to drop Trippier for Livramento in the league. They would rest him, but maybe not, you know, change the shape and play Trippier left back necessarily unless there's injury. So I'm a little bit more comfortable saying I can back this team based on what I've seen and the data over the longer term rather than a Chelsea where I think, yeah, Anything so can happen in the next year. You're weekend. saying you back Newcastle stylistically, right? But yep. the, I do think that the the rest and rotation, I mean, ha has there been any indication of this? We don't really know what he's going to do, right? Because on paper, and you know who knows what that means, on paper, winnable fixtures in the league. Very winnable, yep. right? I think it's home Brentford. What is it? Home Brentford at Sheffield United, home Burnley, next three. In between those games, at AC Milan, home Man City, home PSG. What the hell is he going to do there? What are they prioritizing? Are they prioritizing top four or five this season in the league? Are they prioritizing getting out of the groups in the Champions League? 
No idea. Absolutely no idea. No idea. No idea. So, and yeah. Is he going to miss games for Livramento? Or is he going to get 65-minute subs, which is actually brilliant? I mean, imagine right. a 65th-minute sub against Burnley. I'll take that. That happened last so year, by the way. we are uncharted territory. Yeah, yeah there were times so last year yes, where... He did so many, yeah. Yeah, trips would come off on 79, and then, uh, you know, everyone was raging because they conceded in the 88th minute or whatever, and, and he gets that max bones, huge <laughs> haul. That's the thing, like, back to trips and Newcastle, like, that's the thing that made him so special also, was that attacking upside, bonus upside, yada, yada. And that's why back to, like, Shar, like, if Botman's fit or whatever, Burn or whoever, I'm just like, yeah, but is that even worth the transfer? Like, what's the old, like, best possible case for Shar? It's like three cleans out of the next four or something. Like, incredible. That would be like, you yeah. know, that's n- the absolute best imaginable. I mean, they could keep zero cleans. And I'm just like, is that worth using transfer for? Like, that, that four point clean sheet every week? Like, ah, probably not. But I understand people on wildcard. They're probably going to go there, and that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with 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 share, I think a little bit more credit in terms of attacking output. I think he was yeah, unlucky. He gets last his season. head on stuff. Yeah, he yeah. gets his head on stuff. And I mean, after Gabriel, if I think of a defender in the Premier League, you know, the old yeah. Dawson type defenders, there's Gabriel, and then there's Shar. So you right. could obviously That's you fair. have to get yeah. lucky, um, but it's 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 something that you could target again. Going back to the discussion that you'd rather maybe get that transfer in then play Saliba you know home to right. City right he had but depends 4. where you want to use non-penalty XG last season exactly oh my god didn't it's really crazy. realize it was that high it's so crazy I mean that's a big reason why Trips underperformed his, his XA so much yeah um, man what else should we talk about I don't even know what else to talk about what are you right. um you know, what are your plans with uh, the future now that we're engaging in sort of future planning? I mean, obviously, you've got Sun in place. You've got a good looking midfield. You've got Salah already, right? You still have yep. Salah. Yep. Still uh, have him. Where'd yep. you go with that? Because everyone's going to be wildcarding to get Salah by, I mean, even in a couple of weeks, the you know, yeah. Liverpool's pictures are great. Yeah. I mean, I still feel like my team is good. You know, I had a pretty bad game week four, went down a bunch, although rank, whatever. That I'm not too bothered with rank right now, but I I just don't know. It's like how many bad weeks will I take if it keeps happening before I'm you know pressing the emergency eject button, right? So like I have Wissa. I started with him. I think he's great. Yep. Their fixture, you know, they have at Newcastle, not ideal, but then they're home Everton at Forest, you know, so good. I don't feel incredible with him. I'm not here sitting like he's obviously the best other forward in the game, but he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sitting here with Johnston, Johnstone and Turner. You know, is, is Hendo going to take his spot? I don't really ever want to start Turner. You know, I know he's just off, you know, clean, but I don't ever want to start him. So this that's week, a concern. This week is in. This week is in. This week is in. For sure. But, you know, I'm worried about Hendo. You know, I'm worried about not having Rashford. I'm worrying about not having an Arsenal guy. So the, I, there's, I just think team things can change very, very quickly. And a lot of this season, as you've mentioned many times, is going to be like, how do you deal with the FOMO, right? Like, 
Arsenal braces on Sunday. Like, how is that going to make me feel? Like, I almost need to... I don't know if you listened to our preseason episode where Walsh talked to Dr. Brad uh, about, you know, just psychology in the game and stuff like that. But I feel like almost the most productive thing I can do in terms of planning right now has nothing to do with transfers and almost has to do with how am I going to feel setting my priors, right? Like, if this happens, what do I do? If this happens, what do I do, right? Because then you're not acting on emotion as much because then I'm saying like, okay, if soccer braces, you know, maybe I just need to get them right back in or whatever the decision you come to is. If Rashford braces and Bruno blanks, I need to fix that immediately, make that move versus waiting for it to actually happen and then sitting there going down a million places and just being like, Fuck, I need a wild card. My team's horrible, you know? So that's that's probably where I should focus my energy. But one thing that's very different between me and you is that when there are no games on, I am completely checked out. <laughs> like it was the NFL started this weekend. That's all I've been doing and thinking about. My Jets play tonight. That's all I'm thinking about. So this is almost like my get the juices flowing podcast with pra with Praz and then, you know. Thursday, me and also do a Patreon episode, and then I'll be like really, really fully back in there. No, I mean, I think I think we all deserve a little bit time away from it. But I just think, yeah. you know, the, the the mentality side of it, I think that's really interesting. Where the way I would react, let's say, if if Rashford in your place, you know, scores a yeah. base and you called it, you th- you said Brighton is a Rashford game. I think, yeah, then then you have to sort of trust yourself more and look forward and say, okay, yeah. is Burnley a Rashford game, and do I need him or not? After that, is you know, right. It, that's the way I would sort of do it in your position and the way I play I'm just going to make sure that I have Rashford for the easier games not have Madison for the couple of tough games if Madison punishes me I can tell myself that look I picked the guy who I thought will score more points I was wrong that's fine I'll yep, get Madison exactly in a yep. couple of weeks yeah and that's why I think again to the planning point and why I try to write things down is because you need to, you need almost a record of what you're thinking in the moment when emotion isn't coloring everything that you're thinking, right? You need to know that, I, you know, Rashford, you know, Brighton, Burnley, I expect him to score goals, you know, best pick in the game, whatever for these next two, whatever, however you actually feel about it. And then Sun kills you is what it is, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, like Rashford. Didn't get as many chances as I thought. You know, Manchester United were dysfunctional without Bruno in the middle, whatever happened. And, you know, I just got that one wrong and just move on is usually the better better way to go. But it's hard, man. It's hard. Yeah, this is going to be the season of FOMO. I, I almost wish that, you know, you could have an ability. You know, a lot of people do this match of the day challenge. I don't know. Obviously, I don't think you'd get match of the day in the US, but um, you do this thing where you miss all the games and you just watch them all yeah. together, like a ripping yeah. off the bandaid, right? I mean, yeah. but you sometimes go through the motion. Like I was, I, I, I sort of, when I don't have a player and I, and I put it on TV, this is not great for anyone's health, but I, I sort of walk around <laughs> listening rather than watching. Um, and so I didn't have the Man City guys. I didn't have Alvarez. I didn't have Foden. And the and yeah. the the Fulham game was on, and it's torture, right? I mean, sometimes I just Fair wish all. that I wouldn't do that and just not watch at all and just show up and look at the result and go, oh, okay, Alvarez got a haul, Foden got just one assist. Okay, I'll, I can live with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's always an interesting thing when like I I was out of town last weekend and so I missed a bunch of games that I normally wouldn't have missed. Usually I watch like as many as possible but it's always an an interesting exercise for me before Walsh and I record to be like okay 
you know, Arsenal won three one. Like, how do I think that match went? What is the XG telling me? What are the stats telling me? Like, who got the points? Then I watch the highlights and then I read about it and then I listen. I'm like, oh, that is completely different than how I thought the match would have gone. Right? <laughs> right. You see three one. I'm like, oh, Arsenal just dominated them. They're way better. And it's like, oh, it's much different. And that's, that's always interesting. But, um, yeah, man, we'll see how we do with our sanity. Well, maybe, maybe me and you'll check back in with each other and see <laughs> how we're doing with our team. So your, your immediate plans are still up in the air. You're thinking you don't well, know if I- you're going to bring in son. I'm going to do one of two transfers, either Saka okay. for Sun, okay. or I'm going to get Udogi in or Poro in for maybe Saliba, I'm thinking. So one of the Arsenal guys goes, because even though it's Everton away, I'm happy to lose them for Saliba, no upside for Saka for four more reasons with Sun. So those yeah. are my two transfers. I'm going to do one of them. I'm going to stick with my triple Chelsea, even though I don't feel great about it. I'm going to stick with my double Man United midfield, even though I don't feel great about it. But hey, who knows, after next weekend... You know, we smash Brighton or we don't even need to smash if it's a 2-2 game. I'm happy with having, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if Chelsea finally score a couple of goals, I think Sterling and Jackson will be involved. So we could have a completely different outlook of people sort of having FOMO of not having the Man United guys next week. I'm happy to ride it out. That's what I Yeah, think. I mean, here's a little stat for you to close it out. The, there's three teams who've conceded two goals on the counterattack this season that, that leads the league. Manchester United, Brighton and Arsenal. <laughs> right, like I think that these Arsenal fixtures are a complete bait for cleans. Absolute bait. The yeah. good ones are away. The bad ones are home. I just don't want any part of it. All mixed in with Champions League. Nightmare. And then, yeah. you know, I'm with you. You know, the Bre- Brighton attack that fixture with Rashford. I think it's fantastic. Um, there's goals to be had. All right, Praz. Well, uh, you know, thanks so much for coming on. Let's Let's wrap this up. Where can people... You know, follow you, hear hear you, pod, read your work, watch your videos, all that stuff. Um, well, uh, press underscore FPL on Twitter and and other good good social media sites. Um, <laughs> obviously, I I co-host with uh, with Pranil and and Zofar on the Wire, which we usually do on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Um, I also do a a show on FF Scout um, on called Deadline Dilemmas with Flapjack. So, those are the couple of things that I tend to do on a weekly basis. So, if you're ever looking for what to do in five weeks after. We'll- <laughs> And you want to listen yeah, to me, or, do join and listen. Or 19 weeks from now. I'll link to all this stuff in the show notes. And, and yeah, thanks so much, man. It was a blast. <laughs> Absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much. And thank you for delivering the stuff, man. I'm a big fan. Of course. Cheers, man. Sports Social Podcast Network.